0: Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today.
1: And Father, we thank you. We do cry out for mercy. You've been good to us. Thank you that we're here. Father, our homes could have been blown away. Help us to be thankful. Help us to stop mumbling and grumbling and being discontented. Help us to stop thinking badly. But to think on good things. Regulate our our thoughts. Help us to repent of thinking bad. Help me now to preach your word. Help us to focus now. You didn't bring us here to be impatient. You brought us here to exalt your name. You are good God and we've tasted. And we've seen that you are A good God. Help me to preach in the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said. Amen. Have your Bibles. Open it, if you will, to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. The scripture reads, That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, gave them the right to become the sons of God, the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. And from this passage, we want to preach the rejection of Jesus, the rejection of Jesus. Beloved, Jesus is the true light who came into the world through the incarnation to make salvation available to all who would trust in our Lord alone for salvation. Jesus is God's greatest revelation to humanity, and there is no one who don't have this gift available to them if they so choose to receive him. God is the greatest revelation to humanity, and there is no excuse if anyone fails to receive the light by trusting Jesus Christ who is the embodiment of life. God sent his one and only son who humbled himself and became a man to die to save sinners. That's why he came. He came to die to save sinners. Even though the scriptures testified of the Jewish Messiah and his coming, he came to his own Jewish people and yet they rejected him because of spiritual rebellion. They rejected our Lord because of spiritual ignorance and they rejected our Lord because of spiritual blindness. The scripture says in Jeremiah chapter seven verses 25 through 26, since the days that our fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have even sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them. Verse 26 says, yet they did not obey me or incline their ear, but stiffened their necks. They did worse than their fathers. The gospel of John chapter 12, verse 37 also says, but although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe him. They rejected him. My friends, because God so loved the world, he gave heaven's best, the apple of his own eye, who was the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person in the Godhead. Jesus humbly submitted himself to the Father's will and was born as God in human flesh to make salvation available to humanity. Our Lord submitted himself to his own creation. He was humanity's perfect gift without flaw, without sin. And he was that perfect example while here on earth, full of compassion. Our Lord was full of grace. And our Lord was full of truth. Jesus did miracles such as feeding thousands, healing the sick, restoring the blind, hearing to the deaf, made the lame walk, and even raising the dead. And yet he was mocked, rejected by his own siblings and political and religious leaders. And so many others rejected the Savior. Beloved, it is impossible to live in this life and not experience rejection. Jesus experienced rejection throughout his life and ministry. Because he was so hated. He was reviled, despised, and ridiculed. He was maligned, spat upon, beaten, scourged, and ultimately put upon a cross. And humiliated and shamed. And they watched him die. And even though he was dying, he was procuring the salvation the very salvation for those who would receive it if they believed in him. He procured salvation for for the very ones that put him on that cross. Therefore, do not be surprised when you are rejected as well. What rejections do we encounter in life? Well, number one, sometimes we are rejected because we are successful. Some people are jealous because you're successful. They resent your success. And they have an attitude about you. They don't like you simply because uh, God is progressing you in life. You have the favor of God upon you. You are obeying God and you are reaping what you are sowing. And, and the goodness of God is so evident in your life. And instead of others rejoicing with you, they'll resent you. That's just life. It's very hard for people to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Jealousy is a horrible thing. And dare we not be jealous. We ought to be thankful for those who are being blessed, especially when they have received it the right way. Amen? You ought to be able to say, I'm happy for you. I thank God for you. Praise God for what he's doing in your life. I really rejoice with you. That couldn't happen to a better person. Even people who think they're mature can't even give a word of encouragement A word of appreciation and a word of just saying God is really blessing you. And number two, some are rejected by friends, co-workers and employers because of their conviction and stand for Christ. There are companies that don't even want you to have your Bible on the desk. There are people who, don't, who, get, who resent you having a cross around your neck or, or a spiritual saying on your t shirt or on your clothes or on your hat. But listen, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. You will be rejected when you stand for Christ. That's just the way it is. As a matter of fact, Jesus told us not to be surprised when these things happen. Thirdly, some members leave the church because of perceived rejection. One person in the church do something uh, maybe to hurt them, maybe even not on purpose. And then they characterize the whole church as being that way and and they leave the church. Or just one person hurt their feeling and the whole church is, is characterized as being a mean, hateful, no good church. Some members leave the church because of perceived rejection. I mean, they don't get in a small group. They don't come to Sunday school. They don't get in the choir. They don't get in a particular ministry. And yet they say the church is full of cliques, but they don't join anything. They don't join anything. They, they purposefully uh, stay outside uh, 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 of ministries and don't engage in ministries. And, uh, and then turn around and say the church is cliquish. Well, how do you know it's cliquish if you're not in nothing? Maybe you cliquish. Some members leave the church because of perceived rejection. Fourthly, uh, what rejections do we encounter in life? Sometimes church leadership experiences rejection when some in the congregation refuse to receive or conform to the truth. I repeat that sometimes church leadership experiences rejection when some in the congregation refuse to receive or conform to the truth they would rather make the pastor the issue or the church leadership the issue instead of accepting the truth of god 's word for themselves in response, uh, they will attack criticize malign. They will gossip and even attempt to remove church leadership and instead of applying the truth of God's word to their own lives for their own personal transformation. Instead of taking the truth and applying the truth uh, to their lives for spiritual growth and productivity and personal transformation, uh, they'll say, uh, well, somebody's, talking about me. Somebody told me what the pastor said. Uh, 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 They they can't receive the truth. It's for everybody else but them. And uh, what God wants us to do, instead of being so suspicious, uh, so uh, uppity, and so um, out of it, and been out of shape, God desires that we receive the truth, apply the truth, for our own personal edification, our own personal growth and transformation. Transformation. Some folk will rather uh, uh, make everybody the issue instead of taking the truth of God's word, applying it to their lives so that they can be better and not making everything else uh, an issue. It's like a diversion. Uh, what What rejections do we encounter in life? Number five, sometimes God orchestrates or permits rejection in our lives through closing doors or blocking paths in order to redirect us into his perfect will.
0: Life circumstances uniquely affect people differently, yet God's love, grace, and mercy are limitless. The good news is God's word is uniquely sufficient. He knows what to do in every situation. He made us and he knows us better than we know ourselves. The Bible tells us to trust him, lean on him and to acknowledge him. Whether it's a success, a setback or a failure, no matter what it is, God will order our steps when we depend on him and him alone to uniquely perform his good and perfect work within us. Listen, as Pastor Rander continues.
1: Sometimes God orchestrates or permits rejection to come into our lives through closing the doors or blocking paths in order to redirect us into his perfect will. Sometimes you're headed down a career path that God doesn't want you to go. Uh, uh, Sometimes you're you're going the wrong direction and God says, you know what? I got to block this and he give you a spiritual block and you can't pass that test, you can't get the license, or something happened beyond your control, or some circumstance uh, intrude into your life beyond beyond your control, and you wonder what in the world is going on. I'm trying, my, I'm trying my best to get this, but the more I try, look like something's always getting in my way, and I can't seem to get through. I can't seem to, 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 to make the progress I ought to make. Perhaps it 's because God is trying to redirect your life perhaps God is said no, not this way, that way and so he 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 blocks this, or uh, He calls you to be laid off, or He calls you to get fired or uh, He calls things to happen uh maybe you don 't get promoted and you get mad and you quit, and maybe that was the best thing could, to happen to you because That's not where he wanted you to be. He wanted you way over here while you way over there. And he has to hurt your feeling to get you way over here. (sighs) Y'all looking at me? (laughs) Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? All rejection is not bad, especially when when God is orchestrating that rejection to get you into his perfect will. Because you can't be as productive as you could be uh, out of the will of God. Time is too short for you not to be in the perfect will of God. You want to redeem the time, make the most of the time. You want to be on God's path for your life. You want you want to see God maximize himself through you to the glory of God. And in order to do that, God has to block some things you're doing and ought to repurpose your life, redirect your life. So that you can be in the path that God has ordained for you. How do we respond when we are rejected? How do we respond when we are rejected? Number one, only when you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ can you effectively overcome rejection. Only when you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ can you effectively overcome rejection? Now, if you don't have Jesus Christ resident in the heart, if you're not saved by the grace of God, you've, you've not been a, if you're not a blood-washed, born-again saint, listen, when rejection comes into your life, uh, whichever way it comes, you're going to struggle, you, you're going to have a defeatist attitude, uh, you're going to be a hot mess simply because you don't have God in your life to help you overcome uh, the obstacles and the hurt and the pain that others have inflicted upon you. So you have to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, then if, you gotta, if you're going to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you've got to ask yourself the question, what must I do to be saved? One thing leads to another. What must I do to be saved in order to have a personal relationship with, with Jesus Christ so that I can better handle rejection to the glory of God? Well, a uh, you become saved by receiving Christ alone. You become saved by receiving Christ alone. Acts sixteen thirty one says. So, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your household. And that doesn't mean your household is automatically saved because you yourself accepted Christ. It means all in your house who believe will be saved. Okay, so don't misinterpret that scripture. You become saved by receiving Christ alone. Acts 6:31. Without Christ, there is no salvation. Without the life of God living in your soul, there is no salvation. Without Christ, you are a walking dead man, woman, a child, void of the life of God, uh, headed to a Christless eternity in hell. Uh, What must you do to be saved? You must uh, be saved through believing on Jesus' name, the name of Christ alone. It is his name alone. You can't put no other name with his name. It's not Christ and somebody else. No, it's Christ alone. Acts 4.12 says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is not Christ and Muhammad. It is not Christ and Buddha. It's not Christ and anything else. It is Christ all by himself. Christ alone, grace alone. It's sufficient to save alone, to the glory of God alone. That's right. He says, I, I am the way. Who's the way? Christ is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. No one gets to the father, but through him. You can't just see Christ as another prophet. You got to see him. He's more than a prophet. Uh, he's God. And if you don't see him as God, you are lost He is supreme. He's God. He came here to save and you must recognize he is God. You become saved through believing in Christ's name alone. See, the only way to be saved is that you must be born again. Now, the first time you were born, that's called physical birth through your mother's womb. That's physical birth. But in order to be born again, it's not physical. It is, it is a spiritual birth. And it's done through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said to him, More surely, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Once born hell bound, twice born heaven bound. Okay, as so simple as that. Once born, you only been born one time. That's physical birth. You hell bound. You got to be born again. Once you've been born again, once once you've received the Lord Jesus Christ, you say, Lord, I cry out for you. I believe. I trust you to be my one and only God. I I, I believe in in your atoning work on Calvary. Thank you for dying for me. I I believe you died for me. You shed your blood for me. I believe you were buried for me. You rose for me. Come into my heart. Save me from myself. Save me from my rebellion. Save me from my downable ways. Lord, I'm a mess, and without you, I could do nothing. Save me now and God will hear your cry and he will save you right where you are, regardless of your condition, regardless of your past, regardless of your financial status, regardless of your culture, regardless of where you are in life. God is still in the soul saving business. Why don't you say amen? You must be born again. In other words, you must have a spiritual birth that gives new life and a regenerated spirit. In other words, you must have a, a spiritual birth that gives new life and a regenerated spirit. The new birth is such a miraculous, say miraculous, miraculous transformation in a person's life that it can only be described as being born again. The new birth is a miracle. How many of you know you've been saved and you know you're saved and all the demons in hell can't make you doubt the the validity of your salvation? Let me tell you something. You are a walking miracle before our own looking world. Salvation. Do you realize what you were before you came to Christ? What I I was? You know know the things you used to do, remember? Oh, you got sharp memories now. (laughs) Remember what you used to say? Remember that stuff you used to do sneaking around? you got stuff in the past that you don't ever want to come back. And all those folks that know your past, you say, God, give them amnesia of my past. That's right. That's right. Won't y'all say amen? Amen. And when you think about what you used to do and what you used, used to say and where you used to go and what you used to think about and what bought you pleasure, and all of a sudden God arrested you, God redeemed you, God saved you. God miraculously, supernaturally intervened in your life and he saved you uh, out of darkness, saved you out of enslavement to sin and and transferred you into the kingdom of of his dear son. You ought to be saying, hallelujah. You ought to say, hallelujah, that I'm saved. Hallelujah, that I'm free. Hallelujah, that I'm born again. Hallelujah, that I've been purchased. Hallelujah, that I've received God for myself. Oh, my God. In other words, you must have a spiritual birth that gives new life and a regenerated spirit. The new birth is such a miraculous transformation in a person's life that it can only be described as being born again. Say born again. First John 5, 11 through 13 says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son, the Lord Jesus Christ does not have life. Verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe. Keep on keeping on believing in the name of the Son of God to the glory of God. You have Jesus, you have eternal life, you don't have Jesus, you don't have eternal life, and you are a candidate for condemnation and hell and judgment. What must you do to be saved? D, you must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. What you believe, you must confess. You say you believe Jesus, you are, not be, you, you, you are not be ashamed to confess him as your Lord and your God. My Lord and my God. You must confess with your mouth, not everybody else's mouth, your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your own heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess uh, with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And when you believe that truth and when, and you know what Jesus well, how do you know I believe that truth? You know, you believe the truth when you live the truth. Did you get, you get what I said? You, you know, you believe the truth when you live the truth. If you don't live the truth, you don't believe the truth because when you believe the truth, you live the truth. That's right. Now, some folk, they are professors of the truth, but they're not possessors of the truth. You know, they, they say they're Christian. They say they love God. They say the right thing. They say the re- religious thing. But they are without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You just can't confess him. That's, you, you, must, you must confess him, but, but that true confession has validity when you live out Uh, that confession through a lifestyle that reflect what you said you confessed y'all hold it y'all hang it with me do you believe Jesus this morning do you believe
0: do you believe God as committed children of the only true and living God we walk by faith and not by sight life on earth is not easy yet even in the midst of trials and tribulations